if you've got the bumper sticker with the ick this you are welcome here and if not if, send us 29 you have the bumper sticker that says three nails plus one cross equals four given you are in the right place <laughs> this is your home <laughs> And on that, it is more than a privilege to welcome you to this bumper sticker version of Calling from the Wilderness. Are we keeping and, that in? Uh, oh boy. <laughs> oh yeah, we, we've got we've got to do the we've got to keep the the three nails, one cross, four given. Yeah. What would be great too is if that was somebody's license plate, like they had the four given license plate as well. That'd yeah. be epic. Um, and if you are that person, if by random, some random occurrence in the universe, the person who has that license plate is listening, we would love to see a picture. So send that in on calling from the wilderness uh, on any of our social medias. We would love to see that. Um, but it's all our social that, media that we never check or add anything to or do. Anything no, that's not. With. That's not entirely true. We we I I tag us in it when I when we post and you oh. you do as well. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I do, but yeah. Okay. Well, you know, <laughs> it's good minimal, to be it, but it, it'll come how, up as a notification. We will get it. Yeah. <laughs> At some point over the next year, we're sure to discover when you reached out. Um and considering that we always ask for people to reach out and share some of their their questions or comments with us, we'll, we promise 2022 will be more vigilant in such exercises. But uh, I swear we said yes. that at the beginning of 2021. I, I think that was our, our promise was we were going to be better at social media. Yeah, I think I think that was a promise we made to each other. So th this one was this one's public. Then people can hold us accountable. Our calling from the wilderness social media is like my prayer life. I really only use it when I need it, and when things pop up, then I'll be like, "Oh, let's get into it." <laughs> uh, Joking, yeah. but at the same time, not really <laughs> joking. <laughs> So we've got we've got uh, we've got bumper stickers. Derek's going to offer confession on on his uh, prayer life, and yeah. uh, and then at some point we'll actually talk about what we're here to talk about. But um, welcome everyone. It's been good to uh, to start this random or to have this random beginning as we start today. My name is Timothy Miller, and I'm a parish priest in the Church of England in London, England, um, up in a little area called Highgate. Um, here joined by my great friend Derek Wilson who's over on Vancouver Island in Duncan, British Columbia. And uh, this has been a bit of a pet project for us over, we're coming up to a year actually, that we've actually put this out into the universe. Um, and so we, uh, leading up to a year, maybe we'll have to think of doing something special. And maybe, uh, well, we'll worry about that when it arrives. Yeah. That's the way we do things. Wait till it arrives, maybe wait till it passes, and then we'll deal with it. And you guys missed it. It already happened. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. It sounds like the way I approached all of my papers in uh, in college. The Left so. Behind series. Yeah. There's clothes everywhere. <laughs> They're all folded neatly. Things in chaos. Yes. Yeah. For, for the first time ever, my clothes are nicely folded. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, living in Highgate, is there like a set of gates there that are like, you know, the... I don't know, mascot of Highgate or something. Is there what like why is no, it called Highgate? No I'm idea. I'm thinking for Halloween sometime you should dress up like mm -hmm. Samson and go out and try to pick up the gates like Samson. <laughs> Tear yeah. down the gates of Highgate <laughs> and throw them at yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll look Put that up for, for next time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I was thinking about that the, actually randomly this morning. I was like, I wonder if Samson had a beard because we always think of him like with just his long hair, but he always seems to be shown as quite, quite clean shaven. Like they really want to emphasize that his hair is long. Yeah. Um, but, but he, he, he should, he could have very well had like just an enormous beard as well. Like wouldn't want to trim that either, but yeah. Yes. Back hair. Stuff like that too. Just, just a beast. He takes off his shirt and it's like he's wearing a sweater. Like, well, I was okay. going to say, he probably didn't even wear clothes then, right? Like, you wouldn't no have known. Yeah, yeah, probably not. Every once in a while, you diet in different ways. So people think you got a fancy, you know, t shirt on or something. But maybe that's where the legend of the Sasquatch came from is actually Samson yeah. running around all hairy. Yeah. I, I bet. And by I bet, I don't do it at all. But if I was a betting man, there's some link between the Latin, the Greek, the Hebrew, and the English for Sasquatch and Samson. We just oh. haven't uncovered it yet. <laughs> Is that the new Dan Brown book? Like the Da Vinci Code? We'll do the yes. Sasquatch Code, Samson Code, <laughs> and we'll figure out. <laughs> oh, man. We are either like really excited about what we're talking about today or really avoiding. Uh, avoid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, if you um, if you've lasted this long and if you come back after last week, um, last week, we thought we would do something slightly different and look at a topic and a theme, um, taking an opportunity just to look a bit more at some of the questions or conversations we've been having over the last year and um, maybe some of the things that have been coming up in them. And so last week we ended up talking uh, kind of around the revelation of God, also thinking about God and God's holiness and what does that mean. Um, and so today as kind of a lead on from, from some of those conversations and, and perhaps, you know, something that that um, I think both Derek and I, before we were talking or before we were recording, we're kind of talking and kind of wondering actually how much we've we kind of looked at and revisited this these topics and, until today. So this is kind of fairly will we'll come with, I think, a mix of, of baggage as well as freshness, I hope. Um, and what we're looking at today is, is the ideas of sin and salvation, um, which particularly if you grow up in kind of fundamentalist and or kind of conservative, well, not conservative, but kind of evangelical fundamentalism, um, the charismatic movements and things like that, salvation and sin are, are kind of central to not just the message that you're actually proclaiming, but actually I would say also to are, are central to the way that you present that message um, and that and that you know comes up in many different ways from you know the classic every service altar call to the way we engage with sin and shame and and guilt um but uh yeah but before Selling we fire before insurance we, yes that's right <laughs> what do you do i yeah, sell yeah, fire yeah. insurance yeah. yeah turn or burn yeah um, or like yeah. uh what's that what was that skit that used to go heaven's gates held flames like if you oh, grew yeah, up with yeah. that kind of stuff mm. that's fundamentalism yeah and and too interesting like the, the more i'm kind of in different kind of streams of christianity um you know, the, the way that kind of guilt and shame and kind of hell and sin also is very pervasive in the more kind of Catholic stream, um, you know, with confession and, and you know, making sure you, you actually kind of, you know, say your Hail Marys, go to services and, and participate in the sacraments. You know, it was a it was a different expression, but and and without maybe some of the kind of grandeur and emotionalism of the of the language and things like that, but but was certainly present. But 
Well, Derek, why don't, why don't we start then um, with, do you have any, like if someone were to ask you, you know, what is sin? How would you, how would you describe that to somebody or what would you use as a kind of working definition for that? Um, the, the way I've kind of described it more recently is um, that God has a, a song, like a melody playing throughout the, out the earth um, mm-hmm. of uh, hope, peace, justice, um, forgiveness, things like that. And when we are, when, when we clash against that, um, there's, okay, I'm going to get a little, Lord of the Rings, uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, he wrote a book uh, that predates that called The Cimmerillion. And in the Cimmerillion, there's this god-type figure called Iluvatar, and he makes these other kind of deities. Um, and they they sing this song um, to him. Uh, but there's this one kind of deity that starts singing his own song, and it clashes mm-hmm. with uh, what the other deities are, are singing, the Mayar, mm-hmm. are, are singing. And then, um, and then Iluvatar stops it. And then they start again. And once again, this guy clashes it. Melkor clashes it. Um, and then they do it again. And third time, he's getting more uh, of these deities singing with him. And it mm. clashes again. And then Iluvatar shows. And that's the history of Middle Earth. Is everything's okay. going well. And then evil rises mm. and attacks and whatever does that. So mm. I like to think of it like that when we're singing... We're part of God's um, song. Uh, we're mm. doing well. We're doing things right. We're advancing the kingdom, um, mm. how that looks. But then when we do our own selfish thing or whatever, then it clashes with that. Mm. Um, that's why I think when we hear, uh, you know, those feel-good videos of people helping other people or doing um unselfish deeds and stuff there's something in us that kind of like oh that's awesome that's great uh, we gravitate towards that um because mm. that's part of that song and mm. then recently i watched um uh the bible project which mm. i highly recommend they're great videos uh they did one on sin and that sin uh the kata is missed the mark and yeah. I always thought like the miss mark would be like, oh, you know, this is the right choice. I mm. didn't do the right choice, so I missed the mark. And that's what it was. But they went in saying, like page one of the Bible, yeah. man is created in God's image or the image of God. Um, mm. And that missing the mark is when um, sin or that kata, missing the mark, is a failure to love God and others by not treating mm-hmm. them with the love or with the uh, honor they deserve. So when we see other people and we treat them as less than the image of God, um, whether it be taking advantage of them or seeing them in a, in a way we probably shouldn't or things like that would degrade them, uh, that's the missing the mark. And mm-hmm. because we are doing that with the image of God, we're doing that with God. Mm-hmm. 
massively smart. So that's kind of an interesting way of looking at it too. That yeah. this sin is not just, you know, breaking the Ten Commandments, but it's hmm. um it's actually hmm. interesting because Ten Commandments, like the first five are are how to um treat people, like the image mm-hmm. of God, how to respect them and stuff, and the other half are how to honor God. Mm-hmm. And they're both together, like in the Ten Commandments. They're they're tied together. So how you treat people is how you treat yeah. God. Yeah. And how you treat God should be how you treat people. Mm-hmm. There's almost you know, there's a that kind of same interweaving in the way that um Jesus talks about the greatest commandments being, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. You know, and, and he puts them, you know, he puts them together, as you say, and, and they're kind of interwoven as we begin to recognize, as you say, I think that kind of fundamental piece, which is that, you know, we're told at the beginning of creation, of the creation story that that humanity is made in the image of God. And we are not told that that image is ever removed from us, um, even when sin or brokenness or, you know, the wrong enters, enters, missing the mark, enters into the garden at that time. You know, God does not revoke the image of God within us, um, and it takes on a different kind of shape. And I think that that's actually, it's an interesting thing, you know, as you say, that kind of almost a recapturing of that emphasis on, on the importance of the image of God um because that should be something that challenges the way that we we understand as you say how we treat people how we treat ourselves um if we truly believe that that we are image bearers of of the what of the one who created us redeems us and sustains us right mm-hmm. um <laughs> sorry as, as a quick aside i as you were talking about kind of the person singing out of tune you know in the choir it, it did just remind me of of your choir experience <laughs> at Bible college and uh poor Derek um it was one of these things everyone was welcome to sing in the choir everyone um, except everyone. poor Derek was uh, invited to um to support in other ways the old John Burke uh, came up to me and said hey there's a problem with your section of the choir hitting the right notes and I think that problem is you <laughs> so we want you to come on tour with us and we want you to like introduce them and stuff and you're funny and can do that kind of stuff. We just don't want you to sing. Like, fair <laughs> enough. So I think yeah. me, I was the only one to be part of the choir and then asked to leave. And I think Curtis Kardash was the only one to, when he sang, John was just like, you play guitar, right? And so he moved him over <laughs> to guitar instead of sing. <laughs> so we kind of have that. Amazing. You know, Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but that's a, that's a great digression, which I would love to do. But I, what I'm more curious about as we try to hold on to our topic today is how how do how are those definitions that you've just given? How are they different from what you understood sin to be when you were growing up? Because neither of those ones really have that kind of hellfire and brimstone, you know, the Turner burn, the, you know, kind of eternal conscious torment sort of thing like yeah, like, well, those, are, are they, those were all the consequences there? of the sin, right? Like, I don't okay. know if necessarily my view of uh, what sin is, although I think I was probably more specific growing up. Like, this is hmm. sin. Lying is sin. Um, yeah. Cheating is sin. Um, name a, a multitude of, of other things where it was all, 
you know, it's almost like the the hopscotch where you kind of go through mm-hmm. and you try to not step on <laughs> whatever it is or landmines. Um, so I, yeah, I think I think my definition of sin is a lot more general than it is specific. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's a lot more community based than individual based. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas a community, we we fail and sin. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, the consequences of that, the internal conscious torment mm-hmm. and um, things like that, have definitely changed the consequences of the sin. The you know you're hanging by a chain above fire and you know it only takes one of those links to break for you to fall and that's how people go to hell is they just miss what they sin one time out of the 10 and they go to hell and that is not what i hold to anymore yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at least at least two links have to break now you know there's there's multiple yeah, chains there's, right yeah, there's yeah. there's backup chains and stuff yeah. <laughs> stretchy yeah, yeah. I think I think what's what's interesting about kind of the whole concept of sin as well is, as you say, um, you know, and I, and I hadn't thought about it until I'd asked you the question. You came back to me on it, which is just that we we had actually end up spending a bit more time often on kind of what the consequences of the sin are, in some ways, and what sin is as a kind of running definition. And as you say, like there's that whole thing about just going against God, and I think in in kind of my growing up, it was very, it seemed very specific about like God had this singular plan for your life. Um, and that singular plan was for you to make every right and good choice so that you could have the best life possible with all your ducks always falling in a row. Mm-hmm. And, and that like every time you stepped outside of that, whether that was because you stole something because you lied, you, you know, you looked lustfully at a woman and then did it again. And, you know, yeah. like whatever those were, it was like that constant stepping out of that. I guess maybe too, like that sense of like the narrow path that leads to salvation um and, and it was it was so much focused on you know on that and and I think you know I was I was much more aware so I guess in some ways of, of kind of my guilt and shame and my fear of the consequences of the sin than probably the sin the sin itself um and I, I think you right. just sound I, exhausting and stressful all the time like every decision oh, you make is yeah is you've got you better do the yeah. the right thing or yeah or not and then yeah and it's very oh territorial is right word maybe defensive but it's you're always standing back like you're not really Mm. doing anything because you're afraid if you do something then it's going to be the wrong thing so you're (laughs) you're standing back behind the lines and you know yeah if if god wants us to reach people he will bring them into our camp yeah yeah and turn yeah. them into who we are yeah um yeah or we are going to go out and we're going to turn them turn them into who we are which is yeah, very yeah. much a uh, colonialism <laughs> yes which which has never happened in the history of white european white uh, <laughs> nationalism you know yeah no i absolutely and i i think like that certainly would be an experience i had growing up was yeah like just feeling exhausted and tired, like particularly if you felt like you were the only one. Like I remember the, my very first day in a non-Christian school 
and just the fear of of like do i have any christians on my side and you know very us versus them eh yeah yeah and yeah and it was and it was like and partly too because i was like and they know i'm a christian because it, it was a small town and everybody knew that my dad was the new president of the bible college so like there was there was nowhere to hide um and also like and the crazy thing too is like there was two people in my class there was one person in my class who was kind of active member of the same youth group as i was and then i didn't find out till almost like two or three years later you know that there was other kids in my class went to different youth groups because there was other churches who were actually Christians as well. Like that was just, that didn't actually kind of all fall into place until years later, but, yeah. um, but that very much us versus them and that territorialism, as you say, is just, you know, it comes from that place. I remember, I can't remember which of our lecturers had said that, um, but it, it was, you're we talking about kind of trying to understand the, the mindset of the Pharisees around the time of Jesus. And he was saying like, you, you look you know, they look at like the center and, and it's like, this is, this is the sin. This is where you cross over from the way of God to the way of something else. And then the 10 commandments are there to help you not kind of fall into that pit sort of thing. And then they're like, well, if the 10 commandments are there to not, to help you not fall into the pit, then maybe we need commandments around the 10 commandments. So we don't even get close to crossing the line. And then it's like, oh, but those, you know, that were only two removed. Maybe if we had another set and like, they just kind of went until they built up particularly like an oral tradition of law that meant that like they were always trying to stay as far away from even being close to making the wrong choice. So like, you know, their whole thing about like the Sabbath and Jesus says to them in the one passage, you know, like, is it, uh, how does he say, you know, like, is it, is it lawful to do good or to do evil on the Sabbath? And they just remain silent because they don't want to, you know, they, they, don't want to actually have to engage with it and he gets pissed off and then he heals some guys you know withered he gets hand. pissed off and heals yeah. Guys. yeah like yeah. i don't want to get pissed off i just go on a healing rampage. i just go on a healing rampage yeah that, that's how you know that's how you know derek's actually feeling quite calm because nobody is healed around him yeah. yeah well they would also like not only put laws around the ten commandments but they'd also make exceptions to laws to justify mm. being able to do it right without breaking yeah. so yeah. like you couldn't leave your house on the sabbath well actually that your house is actually mm. your yard as well so you couldn't leave your heart on or your mm. yard on um yeah I, I don't know what happened your yard on the sabbath um yeah. or else but you could also like take a bag and carry a bunch of rocks and every because you could only go like mm what 20 feet or something from your yeah from your house so then you could go 20 feet and drop a rock and then you can go another mm. 20 feet so like yeah, yeah. the more work it took to justify mm. doing mm. that um mm. following that that law and you're just missing mm. the, the point of it right like i think a lot yeah. of our our definitions of sin are missing the point of why they are a sin mm, mm. that is not you know it's not that they're failure or they're mm. leaving god or, or all this kind of stuff they're just they're missing that that mark mm. and mm. and yeah. we are also missing the mark if we don't come alongside them mm. and, and help them or 
or yeah. you know encourage them to mm. hit the mark like it's yeah yeah mm. Well, I, I remember like when I started to think slightly differently about it, like where it used to be this whole thing about it's right, it's about right and wrong, which obviously there is a component to it. But when I started to like ask those questions about, you know, what of the fruit of the spirit is within this, right? And and it's like, you know, if, if everything's just about what's right and what's wrong, then whoever's in power gets to make those choices. And And I think the frustrating thing you know, and it's something I find even within myself, you know, and, and one of my kind of questions with the kind of church more widely is this sense of like, you know, we continue to make these um, determinations about what's right and wrong as if they're like these universal truths, as if we are God. And what they have to actually be is, is right and wrong to the preferences we have, to the things that we think are valuable and important. And, and, and they don't necessarily lead to the fruit of the Spirit, which seems to be actually the thing that we should be striving for, which is that when the Spirit of God is at work trans- and, and transforming our lives and transforming our communities, and we're a part of that kind of building of God's kingdom, we shouldn't be experiencing <laughs> these extremes of right and wrong around guilt and shame but actually should be experiencing these things of love joy peace patience kindness goodness gentleness faithfulness and self-control and and it and it's like uh, it's interesting because so much of as you say like that exhaustion actually and the, the irony of the amount of ways i would i would jump through all these loopholes which would often kill you know particularly the joy in my life but would let me be like but it's okay because i know that's the right choice and and I'm like, was that the right choice? It was killing joy. <laughs> like, yeah. was that the right, like, and I'm not talking about, you know, did it make me feel, you know, happy in the moment? And you look back, you're like, well, that was just like, you know, you know, yeah, just kind of a false sense of emotion or whatever. But like that kind of depth of joy where I'm like, actually being with that person brought me life. And I'm like, well, I can't be with that person because they're, you know, they're sinful, they're wrong, or they're going to like lead me down the wrong path. And, and as you say, I think the kind of the complications and the way that we're meant to be doing it together and in community um, gives us a bigger and more and more difficult picture to kind of wrestle through. Yeah. Well, when you're talking right and wrong, like this is a bio project as well, but that's what Eve faced, right? Was, the knowledge of good and evil that you were able to decide what was good and what was wrong instead of mm-hmm. trusting gods you're right and so now we especially those in power like you said have the ability to choose what is right and wrong and and even throughout the the bible like they they messed up because they decided to make something right like they decided to make that choice um, even though it was wrong, the, the wrong choice. Um, and now in, I'm thinking about Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, in one of, one of his speeches where he was talking about, um, you know, changing the way we, we do it. So instead of, like companies, instead of stealing, we call it embezzlement and that's okay. Or, you know, we, we change we change the mm. the wording on things um mm-hmm. to, to do it okay and even like our laws um mm. are quite a bit different um even between rich and poor like mm. fines are 
mm. nothing to those that can afford it with those that can't yeah, yeah. It's devastating right mm. and that's the law mm. that's what we do mm. Um, mm. yeah so we what what <laughs> yeah i was gonna say so so what what does that mean for um this idea of salvation then um i two a couple things have kind of spurred my journey into figuring out what salvation is mm. um one was jesus forgiving the the sins of people before he even died where he said, mm. your sins are forgiven. How did that mm. happen? It's not your sins will be forgiven mm. when I die, but your sins will be forgiven. Um, did he actually have to die on the cross and go through all that stuff? Or could he have mm. died as a teenager if he was perfect and then, then do that? Um, or like another, let's say a child passes away, were they sinful? So then they would go to hell or were they found innocent because they were young enough and then if they're innocent and sinless then wouldn't they have also covered the the thing um and so different things like that um the the view of an eternal conscious torment mm. um that a loving god would not just or like erase people that have passed away but choose to put them into a fiery place mm. where they burning and gnashing of teeth for eternity like mm. think eternity it's not just a week mm. or an hour mm. or something but eternity mm. just because like that seems mm. unnecessary to me that that would mm. be it like why that's more mm. vengeful than than the consequence mm. um so there there's different things like that that have come across and and as I study the the Bible and and that I'm I'm constantly reminded that the interpretations we have today are not the interpretations that have always been in in the church. Mm. Um, that they're actually quite new, um, mm. and in response to some things, maybe even an overcorrection in some ideas. Um, but questions about this stuff has been have been raging on for years and great theologians mm. have argued for and against things right like it's mm. it's not the this is the only right way to to view the scripture because yeah. we are yeah. and especially because not a lot of us do cultural context or can read mm. the original greek or hebrew or know mm. kind of what's going on or or things like that it yeah. it, it opens up most of what we we know is what we've heard from like sermons or videos or things like that. Um, and then when we read the Bible, we apply what we read in that Well, we, we read it in the worldview that we grew up in. Mm. And so it's, it's already tainted, right? Yeah. 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 Um, so mm. doing that and there, and there's been some other things. Um, I know a conversation I had with you a long time ago in Aston uh, when you were doing the spring and I was plumbing and you had mm. talked to me about the three different views of the afterlife, the eternal mm. conscious torment, annihilation, and mm. un universalism. 
and mm. you had uh, talked to me about annihilism and just you know those things that aren't of God. Mm. Um, when you pass away, kind of gets mm. burnt up, refined as fire, and mm. if there's enough left, then then it goes on. Um, mm. So I don't know if I if I hold to that, but it's uh, it definitely got me thinking about it. Um, there was a great documentary called Hellbound. I was on Netflix for a while. Okay. It's not anymore, but it kind of went through the the three things and the biblical justification mm. for each one. Um, mm. Like these are Bible verses that support these different yeah. views. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And you could pick one kind of. Um, yeah. And the one guy, he was a universalist. And he said, you know, people think um, because I'm a universalism, I am uh, diminishing what Christ did on the cross or, or lessening that. Mm. But it's actually the opposite. I believe what Christ did on the cross was even more than what we think and encompasses all things. And when Christ was on the cross, he, if he defeated death and sin, and forgave all the all the sin then it's either all forgiven or it's not and that i would choose to be a part of that doesn't negate or improve the fact that either all sin was paid for or not mm, right mm, um mm. like he either did it or or he didn't mm. and then and the other thing that, that I thought of, and I'm kind of jumping all over because I'm kind of going through the history of what I, what I kind mm. of what went through. The other thing mm. was, uh, l- lately is, I'm starting to think that we, our decisions are based on our experience and our past, right? Like we can't make a new decision without whatever the past decisions or mm. our worldview have raised up, right? If I grew up... Yeah believing that this pen is blue mm. and someone tells me, no, it's actually red. Well, no, it's mm. blue. Cause I can see it's blue, even though they may mm. call it red or, or something, right? Like this is what I, yeah. what I know. Um, mm-hmm. Any situation that comes up, I make a decision, but mm-hmm. that decision is already kind of implanted in me because of my history that's done it. Right. Yeah. yeah. So in order for me to change that worldview, take something outside of me to transform me, which would be the Holy Mm. Spirit, right? In order for me Mm. to not just accept Jesus and go to heaven, but to actually transform me, upside Mm. down kingdom, takes something outside of me, the Holy Spirit. But what if the Holy Spirit doesn't? Like, if I don't do this, is that on me? Or is it Mm. the Holy Spirit (laughs) that does it? And if I pick it, then isn't salvation, it's not a, really a, a free gift it's a the consequence of a choice i've, I've made right mm. Mm. um mm. so these are all different questions and i'm still wrestling through a lot of them i'm still mm. figuring things out um mm. but i do believe that salvation is bigger and grander mm. than i grew up believing um i believe it can be found outside of the church i believe god works outside of the church uh, and he speaks to people and yeah. that people can find that. Mm. And if God is truth, all truth leads to God, then people that are seeking out truth 
mm. and find it will eventually find God, even though they may not put mm. the label God or Christian God on it. Anyway, that's kind of my journey of where I am now. How about you? Are you going to yeah, I appreciate, appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. A hundred percent. Here's Just why you're wrong. Timothy. Three C's of yeah, why yeah, you're yeah, wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cross-shaped bridge. Cross um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, like. Yeah, but I think. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Like I went. I went to a youth when I was doing recruitment for the Bible college. I went to a youth mm. conference. And a guy comes in, uh, this is, if you've ever heard me talk about the Ghibli Wibblies or the stuff like that, the same conference. Mm. But a guy comes in and he's like, okay, he's going to teach the leaders how to save people. And he's like, okay, we're going we're gonna to let people come in. We're going to ask them if they want to invite Jesus. If they say yes, this is how you do it in five minutes. Mm. Here's, here's a pamphlet. Make them go through the pamphlet. If I had a bracelet with five different colored beads, I could show you quicker, but now we just got the pamphlet. Go through the pamphlet, get them to read the prayer at the end, and then move on to the next one. We want to save as many people as we can. We'll worry about discipleship and things later. This is just getting them into the kingdom. Like, there's no way that that's what it's about. Like, there's no way that that's what Christianity is. That is just a simple decision. Um, I remember when I was working with a youth group and I was like, okay, let's say this guy does terrible things his whole life, murders, Mm. rapes, treats people poorly, steals, Mm. robs, tramples people, kicks puppies, Mm. all this kind of stuff. But on his deathbed, he accepts Jesus into his heart. Now this other guy lives the, lives a life for other people, gives lots of money that he has to charities, always helps out, always is loving quick to forgive Mm. all these kind of things but he never accepts jesus into his heart which one of them is going to heaven and every one Mm. of them said the guy that accepted jesus on his heart or like Mm. on on his deathbed i'm like is that is that what what we're showing like you can do whatever you want and then at the end Mm. you you say this in his prayer and and you're in and it's just the words yeah Yeah. or is there is there something more like is there a a transformation Mm. are we so concerned with the are we so concerned with like like the Pharisees, like the legalism mm. of it instead of the life yeah. that is lived? Mm. I think I think you're cool. absolutely right. Like because I think that was the thing is like for me growing up, you know, sin was the thing that separated you from God. Um, and it was both the thing you participated in as well as it was the thing that affected your life, whether you wanted it to or not, because Adam and Eve had sinned in the Garden of Eden. So yeah. you were by your birth, not not made in the image of God, not beloved by God unconditionally. You yeah. were a sinful human being separated from God. And because of that sin, because of that separation, it was right that your life was then heading towards eternal death, which you know included eternal conscious torment and salvation was very simply that get out of hell free card which was the gift that this this other seemingly other being of unconditional love was offering to you through Jesus sacrifice to get you from one side to the other so that your life instead of being bound for hell literally would be bound for heaven literally and i think as you say what, what's really telling is is then 
those moments of you have to answer what we deem to be the most important question in the world. Um, and the only question that God seemed to care about, as you just yeah. indicated there, is like, it's like, is that all that God cares about? Yes, God cares about if you ask Jesus into your heart. And that will be the only thing that matters to God, because that means that God can either be with you or has to remain separate from you. Um, and, and then all discipleship afterward, even when we got to the point of discipleship and, and that kind of furthering our faith was all about the more creative ways you could get people to that point and get them to make that decision. And, and I remember finding out about, you know, was it St. Jerome, the, um, the, the very first Christian apologist, and or first recognized kind of Christian apologist. And it was like, you know, apologetics was like this amazing world where you could be, uh, you know, a rational thinking human being while, while figuring out more clever ways to argue people into God's kingdom and to get them to say the sinner's prayer. And I think for me, there was two things that happened that started to kind of disrupt and make me ask different questions, which was when I, which was the day I sat in church saying, um, it was the altar call and I was ready to go up to rededicate my life or to say the prayer again, just in case, um, because as you're saying, it was that fear. And it's like, maybe you didn't do it right the first time. Maybe you've sinned in some way and you haven't kind of said sorry for that. And that sin could separate you from Jesus. And, and so, and I remember sitting in church and saying, well, if, if I do believe that, that like Jesus is my Lord and savior and, and I've asked God to forgive me then I don't need to say the prayer every time, especially don't need to say the prayer out of fear. And I had to start asking myself, do I say it out of fear because, you know, I just don't want to burn in hell or do I believe that what God has done, which I, you know, committed to in that first place was real. And that kind of started, that was one of the things that started for me. And then alongside of that was, I remember one day thinking, you know, is, is God worth getting to know, even if there is no eternity, like if there's no such thing as heaven or hell, is God, the God of the universe who I, you know, seem to believe in, is God still worth getting to know? Is there something still uniquely revealed in Jesus about the world and God's love for the world and God's commitment to the world, even if there is no eternity? And and as I started to ask those questions, that started to kind of disrupt some of my senses of of you know, what, what is salvation? Like, is it about, you know, are you, have you got a ticket for hell or a ticket to heaven? And that was kind of, no. you know, the basics of it, or is, as you say, or is there more to the story? Is there a bigger picture? Because, you know, when you read Genesis and you read the fall of, of Adam and Eve, it's God who walks with them out of the garden. It, you know, God doesn't, doesn't say oh well you sin you know that's it you're gonna have to wait a few thousand years till jesus comes and then i can come and be with you again mm -hmm. and in fact it's it's god who also confronts cain when cain murders abel it's nobody else you know and 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 one of cain's responses which i always find so profound is is god says you know you will now be cast out of my presence and he says and he says you know how can i be out of your presence like that punishment is more than i can bear to be separated from you mm -hmm. and and there's this crazy moment that actually you see you know the faithfulness of god through scripture is to show up in those midst of where we would say you know actually god isn't there because there's sin 
Yeah. I know this touches a little bit on our holiness things, but it's that same sort of thing. Is like that that evil, that wrong, that separation, that missing the mark, is actually a place we say that God cannot occupy. But actually, the testimony of Scripture is that it is always that place that God occupies, because when we find ourselves in that, the only sure the only assurance we have is that it is God with us in that. And as you say, it is only God in those things, in those moments, in those places, through God's power that can bring life out of death, that can bring, you know, hope out of despair, that can bring light in the darkness, that can bring love in a place of hate. And, uh, and I guess that's for me, those kind of underpinnings of, of as you still utilize the same language and particularly, you know, as a liturgical church, you know, I have, I have words that I have to say, and I do say every Sunday, and they very much have that same framework and structure. You know, we start with confession of our sins. Um, you know, we have the forgiveness of sins. We have the proclamation of, of salvation in Jesus. And what does that actually mean and look like on the ground, I think, is, is you know, it's good to, to ask ourselves, what do those mean? And, and how do those, but, you know, those questions about how do we feel those and, and feel the effects and things like that of those, I think, is really really important to, to kind of continue on, particularly if we're thinking about things like, you know, discipleship, how do we live in the world? How do we see the good news of Jesus, not just be good news, if we can convince somebody that they've got it all wrong and should just listen to us, yeah. but, but good news that is for all people, for all creation, because Jesus has come. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And this is like the importance of questions, right? Um, like we want to stay away from doubt because maybe that's, you know, what if we never come back? But like my, my faith is a lot deeper and stronger now that I've done, like some things I've gone that I've questioned, I've gone back to and been like, yeah, actually what I grew up with was, was what I still hold to and some things isn't. And now it's more, I would say more, it's not complete, but it's more complete. Um, it's more together because I've, I've questioned these things and I've, and I've looked at different things, um, even outside of my little bubble of, Mm -hmm. of influences and looked and just said, Hey, what, Mm -hmm. what, what's going on? And when you're Mm -hmm. talking about, you know, the salvation of God, I think it was Peter Rawlings was talking about like the followers of Jesus on the Saturday, like after Good Friday, before mm-hmm. Easter Sunday, on the Saturday, mm-hmm. and, and we're there. Are we still following the teachings of Jesus when we don't know that he's going to uh, be resurrected? Like, was his life enough for us, or do we need that re- yeah. resurrection to, to do it? Um, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. anyway, we could keep talking on it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Forever. But, but. Uh, ex- <laughs> Yeah, for, this is a, this for is eternal conscious point. torment. <laughs> yeah, these are just some questions that have come. I know we haven't really talked about mm. the conclusions we've come to. This is just the mm. the questions. Yeah, we've come to. Yeah, I've, I've got a complete. I think we were definitely past time, but if you yeah. want to, I've got another a complete other rabbit trail to go down with um, with Genesis and the image of God and. Um, and what Adam and Eve did with the knowledge of with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So we, we can revisit that at some point if, if you want, if, if other people are interested. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Excellent. Right. Well, it's been really good to be with you guys. And yeah. uh, thank you. 
uh, for joining us and uh, <laughs> making it through the beginning where uh yeah yeah and uh look forward to joining in with you again next week so yeah peace All right. toodles Lessons. take care bye-bye All right.